Hey, this is Casey Hansen, better known as the Homicidal Homemaker, where home economics meets horror, and you're listening to the Love Horror Podcast. Yes, I have on the line uh, one of my new favorites. Loves is is by the way is cooking. I love food. Anybody who knows me personally knows that I will just tear up any food. But if I can find something that's horror themed, oh my gosh, I'm geeking out right now. So we have Casey on the line, better known as the homicidal homemaker. How are you, dear? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Give me better having you on because I was going through your recipes on your YouTube channel. Holy crap, this is some cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much for checking it out. How did this come about? I know just going off your about section on your website, you could really get into that you you've been doing something that's very creative for quite a long time. But then all of a sudden it sounds like in what 2006 February it says that the YouTube channel actually launched. How did this come about? Do you have like a degree in culinary? Like where did this come from and why the idea of going into the horror niche rather just doing a regular old cooking show? Well, I um, I just started cooking as a hobby. You know, I would watch Food Network and I, I really didn't know how to cook, but I love eating. <laughs> I love food. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? So I kind of um, started with that. I started... Um, just watching cooking shows, and I took an interest in that, and um, basically this was baking. I ordered too many bad cakes from a bakery, so that's kind of how, um, <laughs> how, I, how the interest in that took place. I wanted to make a great cake for my little brother. I have a brother that I'm 15 years older than, and I wanted him to have really cool cakes. So that's kind of how I got started um, with the pastry arts. I'm mostly self-taught, but I did take a couple of basic classes to learn the basic skills over at a local craft store but from then on I just um, I went on YouTube I watched other cooking shows and kind of learned what to do more importantly what not to do (laughs) I'm um, I always learn from trial and error but I try to avoid error as much as possible (laughs) but you know sometimes sometimes that happens more often than not more often than you'd like to at least and um you know, I've always been a horror fan, so naturally that influence crept its way over into my kitchen and um, and into my baked goods. And the idea with the website came to be because I would start sharing pictures back way back in the MySpace days and on forums that I would go on, and people would be like, wow, that is really disgusting. How did you make that? Because <laughs> I'd be making things that... You know, it kind of started off with like a jello brain mold, and I didn't want to just put jello in it. I wanted to make this concoction that actually looked like brain matter. So it was just a matter of how gross can I make this, but how good can it taste? And I would post these pictures, and people started showing an interest. And I thought, well, maybe I should just make a website where I share recipes and uh, put tutorials together. 
and the idea kind of um, it sat in my head for a while when I really wanted to fine tune it. And just one day, the idea of the homicidal homemaker popped into my head, and there was really no turning back. I had to pursue it. So I did um, launch in, I believe it was February of 2012. So it took me a couple of years to actually get it going just because I kind of have a lot of irons in the fire with um, things that I do um, within the horror genre. Like I host movie nights and I host the annual uh, Visalia Zombie Ball and Crow. So I did have a lot on my plate and um, it took a while for me to get the website up. And I was a little nervous that, um, you know, maybe... You know, would anybody even care? And right off the bat, I started gaining this fan base, and people were so interested in it. And um, I immediately thought, okay, video would be great to bring into it. But at the time, I just didn't have the means to do that, and I didn't have the right crew. So um, for the past four years, I just kept it strictly on my website. And I also went around and um, taught some horror cooking classes at, at various cons and um, it's it's just been a blast. I get to showcase what I love to do. I love to cook and I love to bake. And I'm a fine art major, so um, I get to use a little of that too. And um, I'm a horror freak, so that I get to celebrate that every single day now. That's awesome. It's a little uh, a little bit of everything of what you love all thrown into one uh, big blender, so to speak. And it's it's making a huge impact i mean if you look at your your website here and just the youtube actually just think about that for a minute if you look at the actual youtube some of these hits are, are outstanding i mean two months ago six thousand hits thirteen thousand hits uh you name it I yeah mean, i was are, pretty blown away this. by that um you know I, I didn't know what to expect i know that a lot of people there was a lot of anticipation building up for the show because i did post um a couple of teasers. I started one, I believe it was in June or July of last year, and then I released another one a little a little later, and then we wanted to have the show up by fall of 2015, but it didn't work out. We got so many other ideas, and us all being creative types, we just kept evolving the original idea, and, and um, we finally released it in February of 2016. Um, which worked well because it coincided with Women in Horror Month, right. and it also coincided with the original, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the original launch of my website, which was in February 2012. So it worked out a little better like that, and we really got to fine tune our ideas and um, just make it more of what what I had in mind. And um, there was a lot of anticipation going up when I launched that first episode. I did not expect the response I got. So it's um, it's been very, very awesome, <laughs> very, very cool to see the feedback and see that people like it and people are wanting episodes even quicker than we can put them out. So it's it's awesome. <laughs> that, that's, I don't know, that's a great sign that you obviously found something that there's a perfect niche here and something that people love. I mean, like you said, who doesn't love food, right? I mean, come on. And then being <laughs> in the horror world, I mean, edible entrails, no wonder it got 13,000 views, seriously. Uh, just cool stuff on this site. If you guys haven't checked it out, make sure you look it up. YouTube, The Homicidal Homemaker, as well as their website, thehomicidalhomemaker.com. We'll link all that at the end, by the way, guys, so make sure you look that in the description below. But let's jump back. You mentioned that you did some, uh, what, you host a movie night as well as a crawl. Tell me about this. Well, um, Central Valley Horror Club, I started that in 2008, and really um, it was because 
I had a group of friends that were really into horror films, and we would meet and we'd hang out in some of these living rooms. And while that was fun, we wanted to meet other like-minded weirdos in the area. <laughs> and uh, we had people that would say, oh, I have a friend that loves horror movies. Can I invite them? But rather than inviting a complete stranger into somebody's home, um, I had the idea of bringing it publicly where everybody could grab a beer, they could grab some pizza, and then they could just watch a horror film with us and make new friends. And I started that in 2008. Now, I live in Visalia, which is between Bakersfield and Fresno. Mm -hmm. And there was not any horror following previously. Um, if you wanted to go to a horror event, you had to go to the Bay Area or you had to go to the L.A. area. There was nothing in between. And that's really what the whole idea was, was just to start some kind of horror following here, even if it was on a smaller scale. And... Um, I, I put it out there and I thought, well, maybe like 10 people will show up. And there was like 30 or 40 people at the first one that I hosted. And um, ever since then, I've, I've been doing it. Um, I actually did move the events to Fresno um, to a brewing company. So that's that's been a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, our location that we used in Visalia, they closed their doors. So um, I'm currently looking for another location in Visalia, but in Fresno, it really, really took off. I mean, it's three times bigger than it is Visalia, and um, it's it's just been a blast. Um, you know, we're not about making profit or anything like that. We um, do everything for free except for our annual zombie crawl, and um, we just want people to come out. We want to make friends, and it's funny that a lot of the people that are um, involved on my show... And a lot of my closest friends, I met them solely because of the club. So it's um, it's been really amazing. And there's so many people that attend, and they're they just are talented in so many ways. I mean, there's filmmakers, there's artists, uh, there's um, people who make costumes, and and then there's just people that are strictly horror film buffs. And it's it's just really awesome to get to have that community and see that they look forward to the meeting every month and. You know, if, if you're going to find people who are going to give up their Friday or Saturday night to just come and watch a movie with you and have a beer and yell things out with you, I mean, those are the people you got to hang on to. Right. They're they're like-minded, like-minded horror freaks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and so, the horror world is such a cool, um, I don't know, group of people that they're just so dedicated to each other. Uh, and you to be able to create that for uh, Visalia area is just is amazing to hear. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's been a lot of fun. And um, one thing that's important to me is I try to make all or as many as possible of the events all ages. Um, I always do put a disclaimer that it's up to you what your child can see or hear. But if you're willing to bring your child to the movie, then we're open to it. I mean, that's how a lot of us started out as horror fans because of our parents. I am. Um, I'll, um, admittedly, I hated horror films when I was very young. They really, really, really scared me. One of my earliest memories that I have in of life in general is watching the original Fly, and then my parents sending me to bed. And I remember I was like two years old, and I was completely terrified. And um, I just I hated them, and I couldn't understand why anybody would want to watch it. You know, I was a child, and um, it, it was just it was just something I couldn't sleep over and it right. became a fascination if that makes sense <laughs> definitely definitely that's that's so funny. I, I mean, think of some of the things that we we do to ourselves when it comes to watching horror movies, and then coming with the idea of going, we can be a family friendly event. 
uh, people get thrown off by that very easily. But I think if you if you do, I don't know, from the perspective of teaching your children and introducing correctly certain styles of horror and niches and things of that nature, I think you could definitely have a great uh, bond there with your children. So I think it's it's neat that you're doing a family friendly event. And I feel like I said, people get thrown off by that. Well, and the movies may not necessarily be traditionally family friendly, um, but I always do put that disclaimer. I mean, my parents watched all kinds of stuff. I remember watching, I mean, some of the things they went and they would go to the drive-in before I was born. And um, there was a little drive-in theater here that would um, screen horror films. And, they would uh, go to the drive-in and they saw the gates of hell and dead and buried. And these are movies that they ended up showing me that have become some of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, that's just been incredible to, you know, that my parents, these meant a lot to them. And then they passed it on to me, even though I hated them. And then it became a fascination because <laughs> the whole idea of why is this scaring me? If it's fake, that's what provoked the fascination. I wanted to know, what obscured that line between reality and fantasy and how was it so real and how was it terrifying me? How was it keeping me from sleeping at night when I was a kid and then going to where I wanted to know everything about it. (laughs) So it's, um, I'm hoping that I do that same thing for other people. Like I'm hoping that I, um, I wouldn't say corrupting the youth, but I say, um, inspiring (laughs) by showing them these films. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very well, uh, choice words there. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we're we're gonna keep it going here. The homicidal homemaker. If you're just tuning in, uh, we have on the line Casey Hansen, uh, who is considered uh, the puts the cleaver back into June cleavers. How your website says it. Uh, <laughs> yes, it does. That's completely uh, fantastic way of putting it. Uh, some of your recipes here. My favorite is I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan, by the way. And your photo blew me away. I was like, yes, I got to know everything she's doing because you got pizza with the little faces on it. Uh, these are just some cool ideas and fun things. And I think that's what makes it appealing. To, like you said, we just talked about how you're, you allow families to that extent to come to these events. Uh, you, you obviously put the disclaimer out there, but you're, you're hoping to inspire others. And this is something that I don't know if you thought about it off the phone. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but... Uh, you know, you really are setting a, a new trend for uh, young women uh, to have a, a new role model, so to speak. And I don't know if you see yourself as that, but this is something that could definitely uh, be tied into a role model uh, situation. Um, these are easy recipes that anybody could really do. And you do a great job. If you guys haven't watched these YouTube videos, um, Casey does a fantastic job of going through step by step. For somebody like me who could just burn water, uh, it's fantastic to have <laughs> something like that. And it's easy. I did. I did one of these with my daughter, and she thoroughly enjoyed it. The brownies, absolutely loved the the Hellraiser Cinnabite brownies. Uh, we did those together, and it was something that she can do, and she was excited, and that excited me. So, how do you feel knowing that you are now stepping into a role of a role model for these young girls today? Well, it's very humbling, you know, just because I I think about how I started the website, and I wasn't sure if anybody would care. And um, just to see that there is a crowd of people that they look forward to the the release of the videos. I mean, that's that's so exciting for me and the rest of the team. And there also is um, a set group of fans that I've noticed that have their kids that watch every week. And they say, yeah, my kid made me subscribe. And 
my kid loves this. So that's that's really incredible just to just to hear that. Like I don't I don't even know what to say to be honest. It's just I have a big smile on my face right now. Um, one thing that I've been trying to keep in mind with the recipes is to keep them easier because when I did launch the website. Um, some of the early recipes, they were not easy. Um, I had a lot of steps, a lot of extensive steps. And some people, if they're new to cooking, that's not going to be very encouraging for them. If they're not, um, you know, if they're not very knowledgeable or they're just starting out, I don't want to disenchant them with having, I don't know, just having all these steps right off the bat and, and um, you know, it, they might not have the anticipated outcome. So one thing I tried to keep in mind with the show was to have things that people would actually do and they don't have to buy a ton of supplies or a ton of, you know, special ingredients. Like nobody wants to buy, you know, saffron or something that's quite expensive and then only use just a little pinch of it. Like nobody mm-hmm. likes getting a recipe and doing something like that. So, um, you know, I, I did originally, the original idea of bringing video to the show was to showcase some of the harder steps that were hard for me to photograph on my own and put on the website. But when I looked at the general demographic and that a lot of them had children and a lot of them were new to cooking, I knew that I had to showcase something easier that would inspire them because that's the whole point. You know, you want to inspire other people to, to create these recipes Um, it wouldn't be fulfilling to me if I made these videos and I put these recipes up and nobody made them. I want people to get excited. I want people to create them and have something to share with their friends and family, or even if it's just for their Halloween party, I want them to be excited about getting in the kitchen and, and, you know, utilizing their creative side and learning a new skill and just to hear that there's, you know, younger people watching the show and that it, it means so much to them, that means so much to me <laughs> and it means so much to the crew. I mean, that's just incredible. And and um, I'm hoping I can continue to inspire them and start a new little um, generation of future homicidal homemakers. <laughs> <laughs> what an evil goal. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, I want to actually dig into the crew. I know you mentioned it a couple times, but these are you have a, a great crew here, obviously. Uh, you guys have a good team. You're pulling it together. I kind of want to know how that came about. I want to know about this crew because you guys, your videos are fun. They're absolutely fun. Uh, some, you know, cooking videos can be very boring. Let's be honest. Uh, yours is very fun. It is not just because of the content that you're creating, not not around the niche of horror. It just looks good. It, it feels good and it's easy, uh, but it's done really well. So we want to talk about the crew. And also I have a couple questions regarding some of your top favorite horror movies, possibly. So we're going to go into that. But first, hey, guys, uh, Sacramento's own. Uh, we got Malcolm Bliss. Now, Malcolm Bliss is from Sacramento. If you guys haven't heard from these guys before, they've been doing it for a quite a while. I remember seeing these guys at least 10 years back. Uh, they're still kicking a lot of ass here in Sacramento. Uh, Jason Spires, a good friend of ours and also a, a really good um, guy, good actor, good singer. I mean, guy, the f- phenomenal photographer, by the way. So selfish bugs but hey you know what these guys have been supportive from day one so we're going to give a little support back here moth fleet brand new track debuting right now on the love horror podcast from malcolm bliss check it out and we'll be right back with the homicidal Oh, 
right, guys, we are back. The Love Horror Podcast. That was Malcolm Bliss, debut song from Malcolm Bliss from Sacramento, California, called Moth Fleet. Uh, make sure you check him out, malcolmbliss.com as well, on Facebook, Malcolm Bliss. All the links will be below on the Love Horror Podcast and as well as doyoulovehorror.com. On the line, we have Casey, the homicidal homemaker. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. So... Before we touch on this, we need to jump back a little bit. I want to talk about the uh, the, the pub crawl type thing that you had going on. Uh, we kind of touched on a little bit that we went on a sign angle about the, the festival part. All right, well, I guess you call it festival, but the movie uh, night that you do. Uh, but we just want to touch on that one more time. Uh, give me a little bit more about this crawl because you guys in what, uh, on five, six years now for this? Yeah, we actually started the first one in 2009, and again, it was because there wasn't a following around here. Um, with Central Valley Horror Club, that was the first and only horror-themed organization to ever come out of the area, and we're really happy to still be going strong. Um, with the zombie crawl, I would often go to like um, like Sangoria Weekend of Horrors, and they had a huge zombie walk there on the Saturday um, on Saturday of the event every year. And it was so much fun just to see this group of people um, getting all zombified with what they had because back, I mean, it was only a few years ago, but it wasn't like how zombies are now. Zombies are kind of a household name now. Back then, it wasn't so common to be a zombie mm-hmm. fan. So to see this whole, like, thousands of people, and they're all zombified, and they're all walking, I'm like, this is so cool. Why do I have to drive three hours to go participate in something like this and only once a year? And I said, I'm going to do this back at home. I don't know if there's going to be 10, 15, one person. You know, I didn't I didn't know. But I wanted to try it. And at the time, vampires were very, very popular. So I wanted to do a vampire ball because I thought that was going to be the event that took front and center for me. So I started the zombie ball in Visalia in August. And everyone thought I was insane, and I probably was, um, you know, there's not really like any party stores around here. There was one that was very independent and unfortunately they've closed down since then. Um, but people had to really utilize what they had. Oatmeal, Elmer's glue, you know, whatever face paint they could find. There really isn't anything available costume wise around here. It's very, very limited. And I promoted it and I, this is the first, you know, concert or event that I had ever put on. I mean, I had only previously put on the movie nights, which is really just going up, talking about the movie, putting it on, asking questions, provoking conversation. It's it's very different from putting on a full-scale event with bands and decorating, and that was another monster. I couldn't find any decorations, so I resorted to making everything myself. Um, I had done everything out of pocket. I did not have a budget set aside. I just kind of went into it with this idea. I took a huge risk. Um, fortunately, that risk was very awesome when it happened. I mean, everything that could have went wrong absolutely did. I had bands drop out and never even told me that they canceled till the day of the event. I mean, just the typical awesome promoter. <laughs> promoter. <laughs> it happens to all promoters, I found out. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of what kicked it off. And there was like 150 people at the first one. And it was at a tiny little pizza place. And um, people thought I was absolutely insane. And like I said, I probably was. But people were responding. They're like, this is so much fun. I've never been to anything like this. And it was the first zombie event to ever take place in all of Central California. So it was really, really awesome that I got to do that. And 
I had admission at only $3. And it was kind of funny that one of the first comments that I saw online when I started getting some press about it is someone said, well, whoever put on this event doesn't know a thing about marketing. You could put a $30 cover charge on this event and really profit. And I did respond, and I'm like, first off, I do know about marketing. That's what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you don't understand what we're about. We're not about making money. We're about doing something cool around here. Um, I've lived in this area my entire life. Everybody has always said, oh, it sucks. There's nothing to do here. Well, I got tired of that. I want to make things to do here. I think that this is a great little area. I mean, it's right in between the Bay. It's right in between. It's an equal distance from the Bay, L.A., um, the beach, the Sequoia, and Yosemite parks. I mean, we're like smack dab in the middle of all of these cool areas, and it's so affordable to live here. Uh, the weather isn't the greatest, but I tolerate it. And I think we have a great little town, and I really just wanted to have something cool to do here. I look back to when I was like 15 years old, and if we were lucky enough to have a concert that was all ages, even if you weren't necessarily into the music, you went because it was something to do. And there isn't a lot for all ages to, to do around here. And let alone if somebody did try to do a zombie event, it likely would have been 21 and over and at a bar. So I wanted to just have something fun to do. I wanted to encourage people to use their creative side. And um, and I thought that this would be a good kickoff right before the Vampire Ball. Um, that following year is when The Walking Dead premiered. Oh, nice. And that's kind of when things blew up with zombies. And... I decided to pursue the zombie ball as an annual event. And um, I did drop the vampire ball just because um, rapidly the zombie ball grew and it was just a little too much for me to try to tackle on both around the same area, around the same time of year. And so with the zombie ball, I did move it to early October because I did want it as a kickoff to the Halloween season around here. So I usually do it the first or second week of October. And that makes it a little easier for attendees, too, because there is um, there is makeup and there is Halloween uh, decorations starting to be readily available in the store. So it just worked out a little better. And the event grew from around 150, which we were more than pleased with, to like over 800 people throughout the night one year. Wow. So being a very, very small independent team, and I, when I say that, I am not exaggerating. I, it is a very, very, very small team of core people. I mean, we've grown to a set group of about 10 people at the most that help put everything on. And we do it all through um, raising funds. Like we'll sell buttons throughout the year and we'll sell raffle tickets for prizes that we make throughout the year. And that's how we raise the money. We don't charge money for any of our events. And um, we're driven out of pocket and by donations and whatever funds that we can raise. And we do always keep the admission at $5. Um, it's not, not going to be fulfilling for us to put on an event. And then if somebody has five kids, they can't afford to go. So right. to make it $5 and to really put that out there, we did used to offer a discount too if you showed up zombified, but now the majority of everyone shows up zombified. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point, right? <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's really cool to hear. Uh, and speaking of, of a team like that, and I completely could relate to you with what we have to do here in Sacramento for Sacramento Horror Film Festival and uh, Sinister Creature Con, uh, which, by the way, guys, if you haven't got your tickets, you should, that way you can come see Casey, by the way, who's going to be there as one of our awesome guests, so we're excited about that. Uh, but 
understanding your team, understanding how important your team is. And this ties in well to what you're doing with your YouTube and the website and things of that nature. Uh, you have a really strong team that's uh, volunteering their time to really see your vision. And I think that's amazing to see because every aspect of your passion is shown not just through the cooking part and through who you are and who you represent uh, as yourself and, and a niche in this field, but actually through the production side and that shows there's a lot of love there's a lot of care and it really helps your passion tell me about this team because without them this would be a very basic show in your in your eyes is what you were saying earlier so tell me about this team well um i do have to give a big shout out to um to my sweetheart salvador he um (laughs) he puts up with all of me you know, it'll be the middle of the night, and I'll be like, "Hey, I have this idea for for this." Oh, so no. <laughs> he puts he puts up with like my craziness, and and he's been there from day one when I um, you know, when I first started thinking of the website, you know, the whole homicidal homemaker. So he's been there from day one and supported me, and um, listened to my ideas and given his input, and um, also really importantly, he's kind of like a guinea pig. Like I'll make something, I'm like, "Hey, try this." <laughs> And he's, um, he's a trooper with that. Fortunately, um, there's only been one thing that I made that he said that he hasn't liked. And that was actually a recreation of, um, a horrible, dreadful sounding recipe from the 1962, uh, Joys of Jello. Um, I used to do a thing on my uh, website called the chopping block where I would try to recreate the most vomit inducing, disgusting vintage recipe. (laughs) And then I'd have the toxicity level. So I made this one called Ring Around the Tuna, and it just sounded so revolting and horrible. And I took it to actually one of the Central Valley Horror Club movie nights, and I don't know what was up, but I went home with two clean plates. Like, they ate it, and they liked it. Wow. And he was was like, that was disgusting. But everybody else (laughs) ate it. And I'm like, well, that didn't have the anticipated outcome, so... Um, I, I didn't really pursue that anymore because I just noticed that like while people did really like it, it was kind of, um, I don't know, I did feel kind of bad, like, hey, I'm making this gross food, try this. So I, I do want to bring that back again, but I, I decided really just to take focus on my own creations. Gotcha. So I do have to give a big shout out to him because he never complains and he's always um, so supportive. And he's also the composer of my show. He did, oh, he nice. does, um, so he does the music. He, um, he really listens to all my ideas. Like when I had an idea for the theme song, we're both really into, you know, 80s music and 80s horror films in general, but we're also very much into 50s and 60s, you know, rock and roll and rockabilly and, you know, the the decor and the culture in general. So I really had like this idea of um, like a Munsters influenced theme song. And I was so excited, like I told him my ideas, and he came up with this really, really rad theme, and it was just perfect and exactly what I had in mind. And he spent so much time when we're developing um, developing the episodes. I mean, he's he's actually a production assistant. He does the boom operating, and um, we all wear a lot of hats. Like all of us, not only are we involved behind the scenes and actually with the production, but a lot of us are actually on camera too. So he actually was... Um, my zombie boyfriend in episode one, Edible Entrail. Oh, He's a nice. zombie that lives in my basement. So um, I do have to give a big shout out to him first and foremost because he puts up with a lot, obviously. Um, <laughs> he's the one that also got licked by Freddy <laughs> on oh, uh, episode three. So Freddy licked him through the phone. <laughs> so um, 
and, and there's some definite treats. If you watch future episodes, <laughs> there's some there's some treats coming up. So that he puts up with a lot, and he um, puts a lot of work into it, and he always takes so much time to make um, the music for each episode. And you know, if it's inspired by a movie, he'll do something that's very inspired by that movie to go along with the show. And uh, I have to give a big thank you to him. And secondly, I have to give a huge thank you to my producer, uh, Ian Pugh of Neptune Cinema. That guy is so insanely talented and so insanely dedicated to the project. I could not have a better team of people. And Ian is so incredibly talented that um, I don't think that a lot of people watching the episodes would even realize all the little um all the little things that go into it. Like we're all artists and we're all um, very highly creative types. So we'll look at something and we'll see a way that we can do it ourselves. And certainly we could, we could purchase things and, and, you know, just go about it that way. But we, you get us and we're crazy. We're like, well, we could just make that ourselves. So, um, and I I don't want to get too much away, but like even on episode two with recreating the black lodge from twin peaks, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I had this idea. I was like, okay, I want to be in the Black Lodge. And then I was like, no, 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 that's going to be way too hard. And I start telling my ideas to Ian, and he's like, no, we can do this. We can create the Black Lodge. And and um, that's how that episode came to be. I thought that I was going to have to scale back my ideas. And one thing that is so awesome about him is he always tells me, stop stop thinking about what will limit you. Let's think about what we can do. Think big and we'll, we'll see what we can do. And he's so encouraging. And, um, you know, he'll say something like, Oh, we can do this. And I said, that sounds like a tremendous amount of work. And it is, but we all have fun doing it and it helps us learn and become better at what we all bring to the table. And just from episode one, or even from shooting, you know, those teaser episodes, it's incredible to see how we've grown as a team and how we've grown as friends. And um, Ian, he has Neptune Cinema, and he has um, a, a web series um, called The Galactic Adventures of John Neptune, and that is some incredible stuff. Um, you know, I had known Ian, and I was um, introduced to him through um, mutual friends, and they're like, yeah, you've got to talk to him. And I knew that he was a filmmaker, but I had never, um, I had never seen what he did. And I knew he went to film school, and I knew he did... Um, editing professionally and had a production company and he showed uh, interest in in my show and I had been to be quite honest I had went through so many different teams and conversations and was just kind of let down and a little irritated and I kind of um, felt like I wasn't going to find the right team that really understood what what the vision was for the show and so when we had a meeting and he was so enthusiastic that I, I still was a little hesitant. And I started looking at his work. I mean, this guy did some incredible stuff. He started shooting everything in his garage in front of a green screen. And um, it's a 1950s-inspired um, uh, uh, retro sci-fi uh, web series. Nice. And he's also the lead actor in it. And I started looking at it, and I started realizing that there was people I knew in there. So he was utilizing, like, local actors and local talent and that was really exciting but then I started asking him well how did you get those how did you do the spaceship and I realized he was building everything as a miniature model he was building these miniature models shooting it then he would shoot his actors separately in the green screen he had a crowd of warriors getting ready to attack something and I realized that all of those warriors had been recorded separately and then he um, superimposed them in there as a group 
And I was like, oh my gosh, and you're doing this in your garage. Right. So um, that just blew me away. And I was so lucky that he wanted to be involved with my project. And he just really, um, he really pushes me to think bigger. And I'll, I'll start to scale back. And then he's like, no, 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 we can do that. <laughs> and then, you know, we add, we have 19 hour <laughs> shooting days right. for one, <laughs> one little segment of an episode. But um, you know, the whole intro to the show with the little neighborhood, um, mm-hmm. that's actually a miniature model that he built. And it actually has working lights, like the little street lights actually work. And one of them flickers and there's actually a porch light. And if you look at on the intro to, to my house, there's actually a little uh, homicidal homemaker in the window inside the kitchen. And um, I'm not sure if you checked out um, the finger food episode. Mm-hmm. But the cemetery, he completely built that too. So oh, everything wow, is impressive. done like on a very, very um, shoestring budget. Like we all recycle stuff or we'll do things as cheaply as possible, but we all put so much work into it. And I mean, I just could not have a better friend, a better crew of people that I have. And um, I, I just don't think a lot of people even like think about what that is. So that's all, that's actually a little miniature neighborhood. It's, um, on episode one, when the zombies are actually walking down the street, he shot all of those zombies in front of a green screen and put them on there. And, um, you know, it's just it's just incredible when he's like, oh, yeah, we can have zombies walking. I'm like, really? <laughs> like we can. <laughs> so um, I have to give a big shout out to him. And um, I also have my brother involved a lot. Um, he wanted to help out on the show. He was actually Freddy Krueger at the beginning of the Nightmare on Elm Street nice. episode. Nice. So he was Freddy, and um, trying to think, he did a couple. Oh, he was actually Freddy's tongue. He's the one that actually put the <laughs> tongue through the phone. So it wasn't really his tongue. I should have rephrased that a little okay. better. That sounded terrible. He <laughs> operated Freddy's tongue coming through gotcha. the phone. So we had that 1980s uh, light up phone. Yeah. Um, one of those clear phones. People were probably thinking, what's that? <laughs> I, know. I love that episode. phone. Yeah, those those are awesome. So, um, of course, Freddie, you know, he's from the 80s, calling from an 80s phone. <laughs> so, and he's dialing it with his claw. And no one caught it, but the number that he's dialing, it's a little hard to see because of the blade, but he actually um, dialed nine, nine, uh, 976 Evil. So, oh, too um, good. that was too kind good. of just a little. We put little things in there, and we always try to see if people will notice them. But he's been a Very big clever. help. Very clever. I'm going to start and watching. And I'm, I'm hoping that. Um, that inspires him and he helps out a lot of times we're like go get this go operate this go do this and and um and he has a lot of fun doing it so i really have a great team of people and we're a very very small team um you know we all wear a lot of hats we all we all act we all do voiceover um salvador does music a lot of us you know he'll operate the boom um very small team which a lot of people don't realize also and um you know, a lot of times it's easier just to have a smaller team that works really hard than to have a bunch of people on set. Sometimes I feel like that helps us be a little bit more productive. Um, it's it's just been incredible. I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody's doing this because of something that I, you know, because to help me. And that's incredible. I mean, I, what can what can one say about that? 
Yes, that's great, man. You got a really good team there. Uh, it just sounds like you guys have a dynamic uh, group ethics and just love for what you're doing. And I think that's what it comes down to. It seems everybody's on the same page. And I had no idea that a lot of those things were green screen or any miniature models. So uh, that's pretty impressive, by the way. But it sounds really cool, man. You guys have such a cool team. Congratulations on finding a group of people who could share this passion together. Thank you. So going off of that, now we want to make sure that people could go back to your website and things like that. So we're going to make sure that you sound all that off. But first, I want to know some influence here. Let's, let's get into horror for a second. This is kind of how we're going to wrap the show off, kiddos. Uh, we want to talk a little horror here. Um, I have a lot of influences in my life when it comes to early age. I remember you were saying that the fly is the one that really scared the crap out of you, basically. Mine was Cujo. Cujo scared the oh, crap yeah. out of me. Holy moly. Um, and my dad was an evil person. He would take a dog and just like throw it on you afterwards because that was fun to him. Uh, but... It, it reminded me back of going going to that and what influenced me. And now here I am working in horror just as much as you are. So what are some of your top, I would say, ma- name a couple that are your top influencers uh, that really push you and go, man, this is why I want to do this. This is why I want to know horror, not just from the experience side, but what is something that really stands out as your top horror films? Are you sure you want to open this can of worms? I do. A huge <laughs> can of worms. <laughs> well, uh, it's hard for me to really like pick some top favorites just because I have so many, but um, mm-hmm. I will. One that I, I do show to people a lot, I, I introduce them to the Slumber Party Massacre trilogy. <laughs> nice. um, I know a lot of people are like, well, that's more funny than it is horror. But if you're trying to convert one over to watching horror and they really don't like horror, that's what you have to do. You have to show them something that's going to bring them a few laughs and not just totally. completely terrify them. Like, you're not going to want to show them The Shining or you're not going to want to show them The Exorcist or something like that right. if they already hate horror films. You want to show them that there is something. They can, everybody, that even if they they don't like being scared, they can find something within the horror genre that they can appreciate and grow to love. So a lot of times that's, that's what I do. I pick movies that have a lot of laughter for the movie nights. I do appreciate a good Giallo flick. I'm, I'm a huge Giallo fan. But nice. um, those are a little hard to bring to a group setting when you're doing a public movie night because they do, they do require a lot of your attention. You need to pay attention to them. Um, so I do try to introduce people to something that's a little, a little silly, like something like Troll 2. And they're like, you know, that wasn't so bad. And then they start watching more of them. But as for personal favorites and personal influences, wow. Um, <laughs> I really, really love Night of the Creeps. Um, oh, I, I love that because I'm very much into 1950s and 1960s horror and very much into 80s horror because I am a child of the 80s. So that's very, very nostalgic for me. And I feel like that movie caps on both of those things that I really, really love. It starts off in the 1950s and then it goes to present day, which is the 80s. Um, I just really like that. I actually hate slugs, so it's kind of funny that I um, so that really? I love that movie so much. <laughs> but I also really love Aliens, and so it incorporates that too. And just um, I don't know, there's just so many one-liners, and it's a good one. It, it's um, a good horror flick, but it also has a lot of laughs too. Um, I do want to say that one of my major influences is William Castle. He's um, my favorite nice. director of all time. Um, Many of um, my favorites, like Mr. Sardonicus and, um, you know, The Tingler with Vincent Price. And, um, you know, I love, like, Straight Jacket with Joan Crawford. Um, Those are some of my favorite movies. And they don't go over well in a group setting. Um, 
just because a lot of people, they want either gore or they want a lot of laughs. I did do a couple screenings of like the original House on Haunted Hill, but I did do mm-hmm. a little spin with riff tracks. So that kind of um, livened up the audience a little bit. But um, one thing that that influenced to me is that he had um, so many gimmicks that went into the marketing of his movies. And that's always fascinated me. I wish that somebody would do that a little bit more. Right. Um, you know, like you would have people in the audience or you have buzzers under the seat or you have nurse nurses um, in the lobby um, or people with, you know, doing something, somebody screaming out, you know, during the tingler. And I don't know. I just feel like that's something that's died out and I wish that people would do it. And he just really, really inspires me. Vincent Price is a huge inspiration to me. And he also was a cook. Um I mean, he was a chef. He did some legit stuff. And um, I shared my one of my episodes with his family because his family does manage his official Facebook page. And I just said, you know, he's been a huge influence to me, and I thought that this might bring a smile to his face. And they actually shared it on his official, you know, oh, nice. his official page. And that, I, like, freaked out about it. Somebody tagged me. They're like, um... Casey, Vincent Price's official page of Stanley shared your episode, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? So that was really cool. Um, I, I think that it would bring a smile to his face, all the little, you know, cheesy, cheesy things that we have before the episode. And, um, I mean, he's a huge influence, so I love his films, and I love um, Alfred Hitchcock. That's a huge nice. influence on me, too. But um, I hope that when people watch the show, they do see that I have a little bit of the 50s and 60s horror influence, but also the 80s. Um, I don't know if you um, noticed the lighting, but um, one idea when I was first um, concepting the show is that I wanted to have lighting similar to that on Creep Show or on Terror Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that surreal blue, red, purple, just very colorful. Um, I feel like with a lot of horror things, it's always so dark and it's always so... Um, desaturated to give you that uneasy feeling and there's a lot of grit but that's not the idea I had in mind I had um, rich vivid colors bright colors um, and you know movies like creep show I mean that movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid like something that tied you over I I like that freaked me out so much and then it's just become one of the major things that influenced me I love how, you know, I watch it now and it's not scary to me, but it really, really, really scared me when I was younger. And that makeup was disgusting on that particular skit. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, that's just gotta be one of my, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies. And I even love Creep Show, too, even though some people, you know, beg the differ on how good it is. Uh, The Hitcher, I think that's hilarious. That's like oh, one yeah. of my favorite ones. Oh, super lines. entertaining. <laughs> Well, um, you know, I just try to draw inspiration from all these movies that meant so much to me. I do love movies like uh, Tenebrae, Phenomena. Um, I love Dario Argento's Demons. Mm, good um, choice. I'm just, I, I love 80s horror a lot. I mean, I could go, go on all night. Um, gosh, Return of the Living Dead, that's just such a great zombie flick. I mean, people mm-hmm. who are scared of zombie movies, I'm like, no, no, you you got to watch this. <laughs> You're going to love this one. It's got a killer soundtrack, punk rocker zombies. And it's funny because I remember my parents watching that, and um, and I just remember that I was so scared of it at the time. And, and Tar Man, I'm like, oh, my God, that was like the worst thing I saw when I was a kid. Now I'm like, I love Tar Man. So... 
um, you know, those are just so many things that influenced me. I look back, and while they did scare me, they also inspired me. And so I hope that when people watch the show and they do look at some of the visuals that they see, see all of those influences. And, um, yeah, I could go on all night. Um, gosh, I love that movie, The Stuff. Totally worth it. Selfish plug for the stuff, guys. But if you haven't seen it, seriously, you need to go watch that movie right now. Um, yeah, my friend I, said that proves that really anything can be a killer in a movie. <laughs> oh, it's such a great concept. I remember that as a kid coming out. My dad took me to the theaters for it, and I fell in love with it. Was not even scared through the whole thing. It's one of those campy, fun, cheesy '80s horror that, like you said, you can introduce somebody to and have fun. Uh, and that was definitely one of them. Uh, William Castle, by the way, good choice. I absolutely love William Castle. Uh, Tingler was one of my favorite films from that era. Um, and I also a huge um, Hitchcock fan. So to have those two um, influence each other, there was a lot of influence between the two of them. Um, and going through the antics, like you said, the overhyped effects. The uh, Well, I think on Tingler, they actually put in some like vibrating device underneath theater seats. Uh, for Yes, they did elements. for the... For the tingler. Yes, uh, it's like things like that. I wish they would bring back. I agree a hundred percent with you because I feel that, um, and the colors too. Like you were saying with um, uh, creep show things of that nature. I think you obviously hearing what you said and seeing your YouTube channel, you can definitely see these influences are are dominant in what you're doing. Uh, and I agree a hundred percent. It's so flat now. Horror movies, the look of it, the feel of it, and I get it. You're trying to scare and all that, but. I, I really wish we would go back to to that style, the, the 80s style, the, the fun horror films where you love it and fall in love with it because I just don't feel that anymore uh, with a lot of films that come out today. So uh, kudos to you, man. Good, good choice. Uh, great list. I would probably go for days, too, on this topic. So we'll try to end it real quick here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard when, um, you know, if I was actually typing, I would be here for like two hours typing exactly. out every movie I love and why um, and if you saw our collection you'd be and I mean that that's not only Blu-ray and DVD but there's also like VHS and I refuse oh, to yeah. part with them because those are like they're very near to my heart you know those are like some of my earliest my earliest introduction into horror you know and I have all these um, like the original Dawn of the Dead on VHS nice. and things like that so I mean I, I really appreciate every subgenre of horror and um but like I said, I'm I'm a child of the '80s, so that's very very nostalgic for me. It just brings me back to you know, just such great memories, and I still watch them, and I never get bored. It makes me want to know more about it each time. So if I were to sit here for about two hours and type it out, I mean, I would give you an earful. <laughs> I would give you an earful, but it's a little hard when it's like right off the top of your head. Exactly. You're like, oh my gosh, and like you know, I love. I mentioned Terror Vision. I mean, that's a very underrated movie. <laughs> Agreed. Agree. That's a it's just a great damn movie. I love that movie. Um, it's why we had a mess industry creature con last year. Terror Vision is just a fun damn film and just completely underrated. And the effects on it are just great. I just love that damn movie. 
In other words, we need to stop right now. We're going to keep going forever on this, on this <laughs> topic. Uh, what did I do? I opened a whole can of worms here, people. Hey, let's real quick, let's, let's tie this up. Homicidal Homemaker. Uh, tell them where they can find you. Instagram, uh, website, whatever. Just, just give it all out there. We're going to link it as well. But let them know where they can find you at. All right. You can find my website at thehomicidalhomemaker.com. I'm on Instagram at homicidalhomemaker. Um, I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash homicidalhomemaker. Uh, Twitter is homicidalcasey, which is K-A-C-I, because they won't let me uh, have my full-length name on there. They limit you, so I'm homicidalcasey on there. I'm also on Pinterest as homicidalcasey, but you can find um, links for all of these on my official website. I have them in the header and footer of each page. But um, most importantly, if you could please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash homicidalhomemaker and give me a subscribe, I would really appreciate it. And um, we'll, we will have some behind-the-scenes footage um, so you can meet a little bit more of the team behind the show. So they'll be coming up. So please uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button and check that out. Excellent. Now, do you have any uh, conventions coming up besides uh, Sinister in October? What else do you have coming? I do. Um, I'm going to be at Midsummer Scream the last weekend of July in Long Beach. And then the following weekend in Pasadena, I'll be at Scare LA. So I'll be teaching um, two cooking classes at Scare LA and a Halloween mixology or a horror Halloween mixology class. So um, that one's 21 and over, but um, they are. Um, those will be available through Scare LA. And then at Midsummer Scream, I'll be teaching a horror cooking class and um, one of my um, creepy. Uh, mid-century inspired Halloween crafting classes so um, I call those my mid-century macabre classes <laughs> so um, um, I will be posting all of those updates on my Facebook and I'll be making a new appearance page on my website so you can be sure to follow that and um, see if I'll be in your neck of the woods Awesome. Sounds great. Hey, guys, uh, you're listening to the Love Horror Podcast. We have Casey on the line from Homicidal Homemaker. Casey, it was fantastic having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I love any opportunity to talk horror with somebody. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, make sure you guys check it out. We're going to link everything. Like we said, Casey, thank you again. Uh, this is it for the Love, Ho uh, Love Horror Podcast. You can also check out Malcolm Bliss online as well. They were our featured band uh, for this particular episode. Casey, again, thank you so much. Until next time, we, we can't wait to see what else you, uh, you have coming out on your YouTube channel. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that's it for us. See you on the flip side.